0: Hey, U-Turners, it's Ash here. Today's episode is sponsored by Capella University, and I'm joined by Courtney Sanders, a full-time entrepreneur and business coach who is earning her MBA with Capella as a sponsored FlexPath student but we're not really here to talk about Capella right away. I want to learn a little bit more about Courtney and I want to get her tips on how to create your own destiny. Because one thing that I found to be really inspiring about people who are creating their life is that they're lifelong learners. And there's so much to that, that I think we can go through in this conversation with Courtney. Courtney, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you
1: for having me, Ashley. I'm so excited.
0: Yeah. I want to hear a little bit more about you and what brought you to where you are now in your business as a business coach and also just someone who is focused on getting an MBA as well. Because I think a lot of people, especially during the times of COVID, are reflecting on how can they use this kind of inward time at their home to be the best version of themselves. And I feel like getting another degree or or something like that is is quite an inspiring way to spend your time. So what, what got you to this place? Yeah, I
1: I would say I stumbled into this on accident in college. So um, I've gone to school on a full ride engineering scholarship. And I don't know if any of your listeners are from the Motor City, but I'm from the Detroit metro area. And so anybody who's from there um, knows that, you know, cars and the car industry is a really big deal. And so um, growing up, my parents were like, oh, you've got some aptitude in math and science, you know, you should be an engineer. And so that's just kind of the path that was, uh, you know, kind of planned out for me. And I never really thought much about it until I actually got to school and then fell in love with entrepreneurship. So I wasn't um, mature enough at the time, you know, 18 or 19 to stand up to my parents and say, oh, I'm, you know, going to change my major. So I ended up trying to start a business and um, working with a friend of mine who was a chemistry major. And we tried to do this business and it, you know, failed miserably. And I was racking up a bunch of credit card debt, trying to pay my expenses, and then also in danger of losing my scholarship at school because I was skipping class to do all these things. And so from that, the business failed. However, that introduced me to Kind of this online business world and this online marketing because since I didn't have any money, the only way that I could promote my business was through blogging and this is way back like back in 2009. So blogging, Twitter was big, YouTube was big, and that's really where I cut my teeth learning um, digital marketing and so. I was able to um, turn things around and um, get my grades back up and finish school. But the entire time I was documenting my journey of um, paying down my, um, my credit card debt that I had taken out and getting my grades back up and also just getting healthier with my fitness and just all kinds of goals and aspirations um, that I had. I just started documenting that on the blog. And so even when I was able to graduate from school and um, get a full-time job, I had a, uh, a small audience that was very much interested in my journey. And so I, I started reading more about you know online business and I started thinking, well, I wonder if they would be interested in any products or services. You know, Let me find out. So I kind of put my shingle out there to see if anybody would buy anything from me. Um, my first product was a ebook And I was amazed that people actually gave me their hard earned money, you know, as someone who, you know, put together an ebook after, you know, years of really teaching herself this online. So from there, I, I started to see like, okay, you know, this might be something. um I started getting invited to speak at different conferences. And so I would um take PTO and pretty much like travel every Friday to go to these different conferences and things to the point where my boss was like, um where are you going every Friday? Like you're taking Friday, um, every Friday off, you know, what's going on. But the business just really started to grow. And um, in the beginning, I was creating a lot of trainings, eBooks, doing a lot of professional speaking solely around personal development, time management, self-discipline, a lot of these skills that I learned and um, trying to kind of get my life together from school and getting my finances together and all of that. But slowly people started to say, hey, it's pretty amazing that you're actually like monetizing this and you're making money from this. How are you selling things on the internet? How are you turning this into a side business? And so I started to develop a lot of trainings. And I was also asked to speak more about digital marketing and being an online entrepreneur. And so once I kind of pivoted into that space, that's when things really took off for me. And it got to the point where I had to make a decision um, if I was, you know, going to leave my job and do this full time or try to stick it out because I, I just had so many clients and I was traveling so much and um, spending a lot of time at, in the wee hours of the morning creating all these trainings that it was just very difficult for me to do both. So um, by this time I, I had gotten married, I was newlywed and had that tough conversation with my husband and he was fully supportive. Um, He was kind of like, well, you know, let's see if you can if you could at least beat your salary, you know, then go, go ahead. You know, he was really worried that, you know, I would jump out there and ultimately I wouldn't make any money, but um, I was able to do that in a few months time. And so from that, I put in my two weeks at work and that was actually Labor Day of 2016. And so I've been a full-time online business coach ever since. It's been four years now and I really enjoy just um, basically teaching people how to make a living online and how to harness like digital marketing um, to market themselves, and, um, really turn their passion into a source of income.
0: That's beautiful. And I know that now more than ever is a time where anybody is thinking about making money on the side. And I feel like, uh, it's almost like there's an energy to somebody who's entrepreneurial and feels like they can create their own money and living. And Mm -hmm. I know that when it comes to creating your own destiny, one thing that we talked about before we recorded this episode was one point you had for it was set authentic goals and, I just resonate with this so much because it sounds so simple and it's, it's not like setting authentic goals takes so much reflection. I would love your insight for everybody listening on how do you set authentic goals so that you stay fulfilled and inspired by what you're doing?
1: Absolutely. I think it starts with being honest about what you want and then having faith that there's a way for you to create that reality even if you don't see a lot of people doing that around you. And so I learned that very early on, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, 19 in school, you know, my parents wanted me to be an engineer and that was just kind of the path that was laid out for me. And so at the time I wasn't quite sure what I wanted, but then when I got introduced to entrepreneurship, I knew that that's what I wanted, but I didn't have the faith to believe that that was something that i could pursue in any capacity especially you know as a 19 year old and so it seems in hindsight like i should have just gotten a degree in business and you know a lot of the kind of projects that i was doing uh, around campus you know would have been sanctioned by my professors and i might have even gotten extra credit for it but just in that mindset i was like you know i i i didn't have faith that this was something that you know i could do for myself and so i've really taken that as a learning lesson where even now, even recently, um, you know, I'm married, I have a son who's two years old. I'm, um, pregnant right now with our daughter so there's like a lot going on in my life and even just deciding my business model and how I want to move forward with my business determining my reality is like you know what I'm and this was before COVID but um, I'm not going to be able to travel that often because I want to spend more time with my family or I'm not going to be able to do a lot of the one-on-one work that I was doing previously because you know I want to be more available for my small children and so just again knowing what I wanted and being honest about that and then truly believing that that there's a possibility for me to be successful within the parameters that I've set for myself and ultimately what I want and so I think people just need to yeah know what they want and believe that it's possible to create it in a way that works for them I think a lot of people will will opt to go after somebody else's goals or will kind of modify their goals based on what they see working for other people because they're scared that if they truly do it the way they want to do it um, that it won't work out for them.
0: I so love what you're saying. And I think that it's so common for people to think that their goals just aren't reachable. And so what comes up for me as I'm listening to you is like, how do you even how did you even get to that point where you thought it was possible? Because I remember for me, um, like, I always thought being an entrepreneur, making money online, or even people who are listening that want to stay in the workforce and just earn money on the side, like, there was something really intimidating about the idea of making your own money. So I I did kind of myself block out the idea of being an entrepreneur. I was like, there's no way that's for other people who are way more innovative than I am. Like I can't be that person. And now obviously it's been so many years, there's not another way I would even know how to show up in the world. But I'm curious, like what was, what went on for you to get to that authentic truth? Because I know for some people they can't even hear it in their head. Yeah. I
1: think for me, I, I started to see others around me kind of pursue this and have some moderate success. And honestly, I just got tired of sitting on the sidelines. Like I think, I think Ultimately, you have to get to a place where you get tired of your own excuses, especially when your excuses, you know, get shown for what they are when you see other people being successful. And so it was very easy for me to make excuses and say like, oh, I'm too young or I'm in college. You know, what do I know? I can't really pursue this. But once I graduated and became a young adult and, uh, you know, saw others kind of in my same station in life or others that I had seen um, online with their blogs a few years, you know, previous start to develop businesses around what they were doing. I was like, wow, you know, these excuses, (laughs) like, I'm not even believing these excuses anymore. And so I just got really tired year after year, you know, setting those New Year's resolutions of when are you actually going to get started? When are you going to try? And so I think um, I got so tired with the excuses that I was I I got more tired of my excuses than I was fearful of trying it. and, and even more fearful than failing. You know, I was more fearful of never trying than I was of failing. And so once that clicked for me, then I said, well, you know what, I'm just going to try. And I decided to make it an experiment. And I think that's really important too, because often we get so caught up in the end result and we think, man, if I, you know, put this thing out here and, you know, in a business context, if I um, create this business and it doesn't work or my first sale, you know, if, I, if my first product doesn't, you know, sell like hotcakes, then I'm a failure. Well, I took the mindset of like, I don't know if it's going to work out or not. It probably won't, but I'm going to approach this as an experiment, and then I I hope that, you know, this can be a learning lesson for me. And so um, at the time, I, again, I didn't know anything really about uh, making money online or digital business, but I knew at the time, this was back in like 2014, that um, all these events were very popular. I kept seeing bloggers and social media influencers um, going on Eventbrite and hosting local events in their city. And so I said, well, I uh, you know, this is what I see other people doing. Maybe I'll try that and see how it works out for me. And again, I didn't think I was going to quit my job from this or be rich or, you know, I didn't even know if it would be successful or not, but I just took the approach experimentally of, you know, I'm going to try this. And so incidentally, it was a good event in that people came, but it was a quote unquote failure in that I lost money, actually partnered with someone on the event. And we both lost like a few hundred dollars when it was all said and done, but it was successful in the sense that I got to meet my audience up close and personal. And they were the ones that actually were asking questions that prompted that first ebook that I ended up creating a few months later that did actually make some sales once I created it and sold it online. So I never would have even known what to create an ebook about had I not had that quote unquote failure of an event. And I needed to do that just to try. And so, um, Mm. I think for those listening, they need to ask themselves, you know, what are you more scared of? Are you more afraid of failing or are you afraid of never taking the chance?
0: Yes, I love this. And I also think that um, for me, that was very similar where I had this realization as I was watching other people live the life that I thought that I wanted was like, we're made of the same stuff. Like our bodies are pumping the same color blood. Like our brains, exactly. you. we are, you are, whoever's listening to this. There are certain personality traits though that I think um, do go into having a side hustle or a full-time business and being able to keep and maintain that. Are there a couple traits that you, are noticing are huge for your success or, or compliments you get from other people, just things in general that you're noticing, even in your, with your clientele that you're like, this is the thing that makes somebody successful in their business or just in business in general.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, for starters, I would say a self-starter. So you need to be someone who can, um, to some degree, motivate yourself to get things done. If, if you're always waiting for somebody to tell you what to do or where to go next or, um, what thing to you know pursue, then it's going to be very difficult because entrepreneurship is very much a choose your own adventure type of lifestyle and totally. you pivot, <laughs> you pivot all the time. So you have to be able to, um, you know, to, to motivate yourself to say, wow, I'm realizing that this is an area that I need to work on. And so I'm going to, you know, try to work this out in my business. So definitely you need to be a self-starter. I would also say you need to have some level of self-awareness again, because you don't have someone who's, you know, looking over you and saying, you need to work on your self-discipline. You need to work on your time management, or you need to get, um, you know, be better at your accounting and your books, or, you know, there's a million different hats that you can wear in entrepreneurship. And so, you kind of have to have a, a dispassionate view of yourself sometimes and just be really honest and be yeah. self-aware and say, yeah, totally. you know what? I've been wasting time for the last two weeks. I need to get my time management together or whatever it is when I'm going on in your business. I know for me right before I quit my job I had to admit that I was a terrible salesperson like I I had done a great job of building a brand and building a lot of enthusiasm around my products but at the time when I was offering one-on-one coaching when I got time to do the sales call and like you know let somebody know the program and tell them the price I was just bombing I couldn't you know close a sale for my life so because I wasn't, uh, you know, emotional about that. I just was self-aware and, you know, I did what I needed to do in order to receive training and learn how to fix that. So definitely self-awareness. And then the last thing I would say is for sure being a lifelong learner. So you have to be willing to find the education that you need in order to produce the results that you're looking for in your business. So as I mentioned, and going along with self-awareness, oftentimes you will become aware of different gaps that, um, you are experiencing in your business or gaps that you're just experiencing in your, in your personal life. And so you need to, um, you know, be someone who enjoys learning and who enjoys seeking out resources in order to educate yourself about whatever it is that you need to learn.
0: I love this. And um, another point that you talked about, and and I think that this kind of plays to when you're setting authentic goals, like knowing, having self-awareness, which to me means knowing your shadow, knowing, having the self-awareness of where you're, you're maybe not so great. And it's interesting. I was just preparing a um, presentation um, and, and I was talking about emotional intelligence and it talks about how there's four different attributes. Um, Number one is self-awareness, being connected to your own feelings, being able to say, what are my emotions? What are my thoughts? And um, I could totally see how it would be really hard to set authentic goals if you don't have that self-awareness of what do I actually feel about this thing? Uh, and, and I'm curious, why do you think people get so disconnected from that? And then I want to also ask you about connecting with other people because I know that that's huge for creating your own destiny.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, I think people have a hard time with self-awareness because for so long we've been taught that you have to be perfect out the gate, or it's almost like your self-worth is kind of wrapped up in your performance, um, you know, in many respects. And so again, moving into entrepreneurship or even just taking a more entrepreneurial role with your career and kind of charting your own destiny, um, even in the corporate world or professionally, it does, um, it it requires you to, (laughs) to understand that you're going to make mistakes in the beginning. And that doesn't, that's not a bearing on that doesn't have any bearing on you as a person, or it doesn't mean that you're always destined to fail, or you should just give up or just quit the whole thing, because why even bother? So I think if you can kind of rework your mindset first, it makes it easier to be self aware in that regard.
0: Hmm. I love this, and I know that one of the things we kind of talked about before we recorded was just around how important it is to connect with other people and and mentors when it comes to creating your own destiny. This is huge, and it's interesting because even right now, like I, I'm a new author. I wrote my book, and one thing that's been coming up a lot is having to ask people favors, having to ask for support. And I know that the act of connecting with people uh, is is just a reminder, like. I don't believe we can get where we want to go alone. You know, we need help. And it's also kind of terrifying for some people to ask for it. So what kind of suggestions would you have around this idea of connecting with other people? And how did you kind of fold that into your own journey?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I completely agree with you. It's completely impossible to get anywhere um, if you don't have people around you who are supporting you, whether that be in a mentorship role or even a peer and networking role. And so um, for me, networking was very big in the beginning. that was in part how I even got that event, that first event that I launched, how I even got, you know, butts and seats, so to speak, and then how I even was able to sell the ebook afterwards and then, you know, create programs going um, forward. It was leveraging um, networks. And so I had developed relationships at first by not asking for anything, but just seeing How could I... Contribute to the conversation? How could I contribute to what was already going on? So I knew I wanted to be in this online marketing space. I knew that I was a complete newbie and had a lot to learn. And so I just started interacting with people who were already kind of having that conversation or already kind of doing it. And I just, you know, saw if there was any way that I could contribute anything, even if it was something as simple as consistently leaving comments on their blog posts at the time or on their YouTube videos or whatever, just seeing how could I, you know, offer something and then um over time as I kind of became like, uh, online besties with people, you know how that is, you follow someone yeah. on Instagram, and you're commenting back and forth. And it's almost like, you know, each other, but you actually haven't met in real life, I would, um, I would be the one to take the initiative to say, Hey, do you want to have like a Skype and coffee date with me? And, you know, I'll, you know, send you a $5 Starbucks gift card coffee's on me, I would love to spend 30 minutes and just, you know, shoot the breeze with you and just kind of see how things are going and what your aspirations are. And so from there, it was really nice, because I made real friends, many friends that I still have to this day. In fact, one woman that I did this with like years, years back. Um, I met her for the first time a few years ago. She ended up throwing me a 30th birthday party in Toronto when I was there for uh, my 30th birthday. And that was the first time I had met her in real life, even though we had been like chatting and like online friends for like five years before that. So real relationships can really develop just by taking that approach. And so once you've kind of ingratiated yourself with people and you feel like, uh, you know, you know them and they know you, I find that people are more than happy to support your projects and they almost get angry at you if you did if you don't ask it's like what you know i could have helped you with this you know i could have you know mentioned your book to my email list or shouted you out on social media or i've had people connect me with different um, agents and different things like people get mad if they're like you know i have a resource and we've been connected for so long like why didn't you ask me so yeah. i find that it's a natural progression Um, but you have to be willing to like take that first step and kind of put yourself out there and do the kindergarten thing and say, Hey, do you want to be
0: my friend? So, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I also, uh, I know that there's different types of mentors and I've kind of written about this for Forbes where there's kind of like the mentor who has been there and done that. And they're kind of like a wise owl, like helping you along the way. I know there's also a sponsor, somebody at work who actually vouches for you and supports you. You know, there's, there's so many different types of mentors. I'm curious, like, how do you recommend people get started in seeking out people that could be a mentor? Because I know that this topic is huge and it doesn't necessarily feel like everybody can go get, you know, Bill Gates or somebody way up the the chain to support them. And I know that would be a dream for so many people listening.
1: Yeah, um, a mentor of mine actually always says your mentor will find you doing the work, and that's how my experiences have have been. So I think to some degree, um, people kind of seek mentorship almost prematurely in the sense that they desire to go down a, a particular path or to accomplish something, and so they say, "Oh, okay, I'm going to find this person that can help me, and then I'm going to reach out to them, and hopefully they will mentor me 100% of the process." But people don't realize that mentorship is a two way street. And it's an investment for them as well. Now, it's not a financial investment, but it is an investment that your mentor is going to want to return on in the sense that if they spend time pouring into you, they want to return in that, you know, you are successful. You do end up making ha- making it happen. And they can, you know, say that was someone that I contributed my time to and it had a great impact on their life. And look what I was able to do, you know, with my knowledge and my experience. And so just as if you're making a financial investment, people like to look and see your trend record and kind of, you know, has this person taken initiative? Do they have self-awareness? Like, what is it that they're doing right now that I know that if I just put a little bit of my experience on, or if I just guide them in the right direction, that they'll be off to the races and they have amazing potential. So mentors are looking for that. And if you have not demonstrated that it's very difficult for you to then raise your hand and say, Hey, will you mentor me? And there's nothing, there's no body of work for them to look at. So I recommend that people get started. like. Get started in whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to move up corporately and you know in your industry, start attending industry events. Start you know joining those uh, those mentor or uh, those memberships and those clubs, and start volunteering on a lot of those boards and committees. And you know people start to see you around the scene. They start to see some of the projects that they're that you're working on. They saw the charity ball that you helped throw last Christmas, and then from there they say, okay, this person has potential. I like the work that you're already doing. I see ways that I can help you now, because you've kind of already gotten the ball rolling. And then you'll find that it's more a matter of you start to attract your mentors. And so that was definitely the case for me. I didn't attract my mentor until I was already actively, at least attempting to kind of do the things that I ultimately do now. And um, many of the mentors that I've had in my life, they've come in and pointed me in the right direction, but I attracted them through my work. It wasn't just me starting at ground zero and saying, Hey, will you mentor me?
0: Yes, I love this. And I think that that vulnerability is so huge. And it's something that I kind of write about in my book is like, my grandma used to always tell me to be a goose. And she talked about how like, it's almost like uh, dating, like you're, she kind of positioned me like saying, be a goose where you're kind of running away, but you're not running so fast that nobody can catch you like go float in the right places. And I always remembered that. And so Whenever I would look at my life and creating my own destiny, if things kind of felt flat or like I was hitting a plateau, I would think to myself, like, all right, I need to go be a goose. Like, where, what room can I put myself in for opportunities to come catch me? You know, and, um, it, I would always just come up with a different list of things. And, and even right now with COVID, it's like, there's virtual rooms, you know, that you can go connect with people. And that kind of brings me to my third type of mentor. I talked about the sponsor, somebody that supports you at work, the mentor, like the wise owl. And then there's also somebody that you can hire and pay. And sometimes that is the best step, you know, like if you're wanting to start a business and you need actionable guidance, or you need to invest in a course or learning, I mean, there's so much, I want to ask you just about lifelong learning and what that really means to you. Because And for my note takers, by the way, around creating your own destiny, number one was setting authentic goals. Number two was connecting with other people. And so the third one, lifelong learning, I wanted to ask you about how do you be a lifelong learner? I know for me, um, I'm constantly kind of looking at my life and honoring my creative impulses. Like I'm in a mindfulness class on Thursdays right now. Um, I have been tinkering with getting my advanced education. Like I'm just curious to understand what it looks like for you to be a lifelong learner and what tools do you use to kind of keep your brain expanding?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, it's definitely about loving the process of learning. I think that's an important distinction because oftentimes people seem see learning as drudgery. Uh, you know, I just need to get through this in order to get the end result, which is this information that is ultimately going to help me, you know, move up in my career or be rich and famous or grow a big business or whatever, but they don't actually like the process of learning. And so um, I would challenge anyone to really sit down and say, do you like the process of learning? And if not, what are some Ways that you can make it more enjoyable for you, because it really does have to become a lifelong thing. And so, once you enjoy the process of lifelong learning, then you become more open to seeking that learning out in a variety of, you know, avenues. And so, for me, my learning in the beginning, especially when I was um, working my full time job, I would, you know, sit at my desk and listen to podcasts and, um, you know, different things, just kind of learning, getting that introduction into business to get my start. And then from there, like you said, I started to Um, attract organic mentors, but I also went out and paid mentors specifically if I knew I needed some specific type of information um, that was difficult for me to access. So let's say, um, you know, learning the online advertising game, you know, paid advertising. I had a, a mentor that I worked with for months that I paid to, you know, teach me specifically, you know, that. And then from there, it's um, understanding when you're trying to get to the next level, seeking out next level resources. And so as my business started to grow and expand, and I started to get to a point where I was, you know, bringing on employees and, you know, now thinking about like payroll and taxes and managing revenue and coming up with different revenue streams and some of these more technical things, I realized that "Eh, this is something that I should probably seek out higher education for. And so for that, that's when I got really interested in pursuing my MBA and then just finding capella and seeing how flexible they are. The program is actually called FlexPath. So I'm um, currently enrolled as a sponsored student um, in their MBA program, their FlexPath MBA program. And um, yeah, it's just been amazing learning some of a, a mix of like technical and high level skills that I know I needed to get to the next level. So things like leadership, things like learning how to manage a team. Right now I'm in a project management class, which is extremely helpful because oftentimes I use my own business for uh, the different assignments, they'll say, oh, you know, go find a find a business that you're intimately familiar with and, you know, do this project management exercise. And I'm like, oh, I, I have a business I'm intimately familiar with that I need to um, to do this for in order to, to better learn. So I'll use my own business to, to learn how to apply, you know, project management principles to what I've got going on. So I think it's just a matter of, um, again, loving learning, loving the process of learning and then being open to all the different avenues of learning. And so for me, that's been a mix of things that you can find, podcasts, books, people—you know, mentors, paid and unpaid—and then actually seeking out higher education, which for me is in the form of my um, my MBA program as a sponsored student at FlexPath at Capella yeah, University.
0: I, yeah, I was really excited to have you on, and just to be working with Capella on this episode. And what really drew me to them was—I mean, so many different pieces. Um, I know that they're they have such a unique model. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what does it mean to be a FlexPath student? Like how, how is the program configured? Because I know that there's people out there that like me, who I find it so nourishing to have a course and to be learning and making my mind expand. Um, What is the configuration or how does the course look?
1: Yeah. So it's great because it's all online. Um, So you get that. I mean, if people are used to online courses, you kind of get that experience, but you still do get some of the traditional um, higher education experience in terms of having, um, you know, a professor that you can ask questions um, to, you know, there's, uh, you don't have to wait till their office hours. Thank goodness. You can kind of email them whenever, and they're able to get back to you. So Um, So it's a mix of traditional and then also this like really cool modern approach. But I love just how flexible it is. So again, as someone who is a mom and running a full time business um, with FlexPath, you can actually set your own deadlines. So you you know enroll in the class and you're um, you're given something called a competency map, which is where they're saying okay, in order to um, pass this class, these are the different competencies that you need to. Demonstrate that you have mastery over for the for the course of this class, and so then here are all the resources that are available to you. Here's the different assignments that you'll need to go through that you'll need to complete, Um, and so you have all of that laid out in front of you before you even start the class. And so from there, you can look at your own schedule, you can look at your own life experience. You know, there are some classes that I've taken um, where I'm like, oh yeah, this is something that I've done in my personal life, so I'm able to bring that experience to my assessments um, and, and use my own experience to get those completed, but then there's other classes that I've taken that I have no prior background and no experience in, and so I'm grateful that there's a lot of resources for me to learn from in order to complete um, those assessments, and I like that I, I can see everything that I'm basically going to be graded on from the beginning. And so that allows me to set my deadlines accordingly where I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe this particular assignment is going to take me longer because I know I have less experience with that. And that's something that I want to make use of, you know, all the resources that Capella provides in order to get that information. So it's, it's very flexible. It's a mix of, you know, what you're used to at school, but then definitely this kind of really cool, um, go at your own pace at your own deadlines thing going on as well. So I really enjoy it.
0: Beautiful. And I also know that, um, you know, that people are thinking more about balance and flexibility than ever. And even working from home, it's so interesting for me to see the data for my Forbes column. I'm constantly being sent data. And all I see is, you know, conflicting data about how people are working more than ever. And then people are less motivated and working less. So I'm curious, just since we're in such unusual times, how does this play into people's flexibility, setting deadlines. Um, and, and how do you navigate that? I know you said you have one kid and another on the way. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. how are you juggling that? Yeah.
1: Um, for me, it's actually made things easier because I have, I feel like I have more control over my day. So, I I would say I work eight hours for sure, but it's not a traditional like eight hour block where I'm you know, I'm gonna sit here from nine to five at my computer and knock all this stuff out. Um it might be getting up kinda early, 6 AM, working for a few hours and getting my son up, um getting him together and then diving back into work and then coming up for air around lunchtime, playing with him and then going back down during his nap. So it's a lot of like stop and go. Um, so I really appreciate that with uh, you know, Capella being an online university, if I'm up at nine or 10 o'clock at night, that's totally fine. I could do my schoolwork then. If I get up early at five, I could do my schoolwork then. Um, Or if I know I'm going to have a busy week and I'm like, well, you know what, I'm going to save all of this until Saturday. And I'm just going to knock I'm going to spend a whole day and just knock all this stuff out on Saturday. I can do that. Um, I don't have to worry about, you know, is, is the professor going to be in? What are my you know, my classes? Are they only on Tuesdays and Thursdays from five thirty you know to seven thirty p.m.? Um, it's very much it's very much around my own schedule. And so I found that it's it's made it easier since I am definitely working from home.
0: Yeah. Well, and I also I'm curious about just how applicable this is to the actual practice of business. And I know that that sounds like such a silly question, um, but sometimes my brain, when I thought of MBAs way back in the day, I thought about management consulting firms and how this was like this degree was like a tool to I don't know, like play the game in the workforce. And I'm realizing now speaking to more people like you about the power of actually applying it to your business. So I'm curious, where have you used the learning specifically for your marketing? Like what have you learned in your MBA and what tips can we share with everybody listening right now or takeaways if they wanna get started? And you know, you talked about blogging and stuff like that and actually getting out there right now and starting their side hustle or their business. What have you taken from the MBA program with Capella into your business and your marketing right now? Yeah,
1: it's so funny you say that because I kind of thought the same thing <laughs> when, I, when I first started um, my business and then went with it full time. I was like, oh, well, you know, that'll be the end of my higher education. I just have my undergrad and everything else. I'm just going to, you know, learn from the school of hard knocks. But I found as my business grew and it actually got more successful, I was kind of coming up against roadblocks where I started to appreciate, you know, what the MBAs or quote unquote, the suits in the room um, had knowledge of specifically. And, uh, you know, you ask about what's applicable in my business around analytics, you know, so that's big right now. I mean, there's all this talk about um, data and understanding, you know, target markets and metrics and advertising. And so again, as your business gets, you know, more successful and you want to expand and start marketing and using different platforms in order to uh, market your business, you get to a place where you start to pay for advertising. And so, um, you know, I actually just finished a business analytics class that, Really showed me how to run models um, and run models based on you know data to see what's more effective in different arenas, and so that was really instrumental because now I can take data that I've had that I've been sitting on for years in my own business around um, the types of customers that I have, you know where they are, what they're responding to on um, certain pieces of content that I'm creating, even you know, how long they're watching a specific video or how long they're listening to a podcast, um, how often they click on something, I can take all of that data now and use the models that I learned in Capella and run those models in order to determine, hey, you know, you might have something over here that's more, you know, impactful and effective with your audience that I would have never realized had I not learned how to, you know, analyze the data in the way that I've learned in my MBA. So um, I would say it's highly applicable.
0: Yeah. And I love what you're talking about with leadership classes, because I think that's one of the most unexpected things that I've learned as a business owner is like, damn, you got to learn leadership. You have to learn it's not like some people come out of the womb with more leadership traits than others, but it's definitely something that I'm noticing at higher levels of business that is cultivated. And uh, I, we did an episode on executive presence, and I found it so interesting because a lot of leadership is just about your mindset. And I think being that lifelong learner is so key. But one thing I want to call out is just cost. You know, I know that it's a really big consideration on a lot of our minds when we think about going back for our degrees, continuing our education, especially in the times of COVID. We, I feel like the educational models are changing and Capella's FlexPath model is very much a reflection of that. And my final question for everybody listening, because I know that there are note takers like I am, is just like something tactical. Like I, I know every single business owner has a different, marketing method. Like you talked about how early in 2009, you kind of got into blogging and like commenting on people's Twitter or something like that. Um, and, and that probably translated into real business. And so I'm curious now in today's world, what is your number one way of generating leads or branding yourself? Like, what do you swear by as an online business owner?
1: Mm, Um, I would say nowadays, um, more longer form content. So definitely videos and podcasts. So Um, I have a podcast as well and have had it for a while and that's always been a great driver of leads. But lately I've been getting more into video and kind of seeing what this video is, this video thing, really everything that is cracked up to be. And I can say it kind of is. So whether it's short form um, clips that you know I'm posting on my Instagram, or longer form educational style videos that I'm doing on my YouTube, I've been really shocked at um, how great they have been. Not just with engaging my audience, but driving like actual leads who ultimately end up si- signing up for my products and services. So um, I know that might make <laughs> some of the audience mad, who are like, "Oh, I really don't want to be on camera and I don't want to do video." But um, you know, you hear all the hype around video for a reason because it, it really does work.
0: I love this. I'm so excited that we got to have this conversation. I know that there's so many people who are reflecting on being the best version of themselves right now and whether it's getting an MBA with Capella and you know having that affordable option with FlexPath that's so flexible or simply signing up for a mindfulness class like I have on Thursdays it's just been such a game changer for me um what is one thing you do for your own self-care is there like a ritual you love or a journal prompt you use for everybody as we part ways just to take with them
1: Hmm. Um, man, (laughs) I was going to say, um, I I guess this is going to sound weird, but like, um, candles in the morning. So I love getting up early in the morning and lighting candles and just having my quiet time and just reading and, um, you know, really reflecting on what I'm grateful for and what I want to you know, do for the, for the day ahead. So I, I kind of take my mornings as like my personal development time. So, um, I will do journaling. I don't really have prompts, but just kind of like stream of consciousness, anything that I want to get off my um, off my chest, any prayers that I want to do, anything like that. I just love getting up in the morning, lighting a candle and then just like going after it. So I find that that oh. sets me up for the day. <laughs>
0: Well, it's been such a fun thing to have you and, um, just everybody as a reminder, as usual, I'm going to give you some takeaways from this episode. So keep listening. I'm really excited to tell you what's been coming up for me just about, um, you know, all of the things that Courtney has been learning with her MBA, things that I wish I could have known. So I want to share a little bit more tips with you and just a friendly reminder. Today's episode is sponsored by Capella university and Courtney Sanders is indeed a real student at Capella earning her MBA with the flex path format and was compensated for appearing in the episode as well so if you want to learn more about your degree options you can visit capella.edu slash u-turn that's c-a-p-e-l-l-a dot edu slash u-turn like the podcast y-o-u-t-u-r-n so you can learn more about finishing your bachelor's or even earning an MBA like Courtney thanks again Courtney for being a part of this with me thanks for having me Hey guys, it's Ash here. And I find it so fun when sponsors come around who I find to be so aligned with what I'm inspired by. And I just love anyone who really leads with the importance of lifelong learning. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the four different types of learners that exist because... I think sometimes people feel a sense of shame if they're not a good student, quote unquote, but there's so many different types of learners. And I just want this episode to be a reminder for you to keep on learning however that looks for you. Uh, And that's kind of what I took away from the episode, uh, one of many different thoughts that I have. But the first type of learner, just as a reminder, and you've probably heard this before, is a visual learner. This is the person who prefers to see information and to visualize the relationships between ideas. So this is like the person who loves pie charts and graphics, um, stuff like that. They just want to see things that are highly visual. If that's you, you probably would be a great person to be taking a, you know, a course like Capello's MBA, being able to see and learn in that way visually. Um, another type is an auditory learner. And we all know these are the people who love to hear information rather than reading it or seeing it. You know, auditory learners, they really like to recite information out loud in order to remember it. Um, I have some of this as a keynote speaker the the most recent TED talk I did, the reason I was able to deliver it pretty seamlessly is because I repeated it so many times. I do this for a lot of my keynotes. I wait until my, um, I don't know, like the words are embedded. It, it, It feels like in my cells. The third type of learner is the reader or the writer. So these are the people who learn best when, you know, you guessed it, they're reading, they're writing, they're interacting with text. And these kind of learners, they, they do well with quizzes. That gives them a chance to write down what they've learned. And, you know, so they really benefit from handouts, from presentations, stuff like that, that can anchor what they've learned. And then the final type that I don't think people talk about as much as kinesthetic learners, the hands-on experiential learners who learn by doing. So these are the people who need some exercises um, to kind of get up and move around and actually just be in motion. Um, And so I, I wanted to just take a moment right now, just in the wake of this episode with Capella and ask yourself, what kind of learn are you? Are you visual? Do you find yourself remembering things and taking in information when you see it? Or are you auditory? You know, do you find that when you hear things or talk them out, that's when you learn something? Or do you like to read and write? Is that the kind of learner you are where um, you want to interact with handouts or quizzes, anything that kind of anchors something in reading or writing? Or maybe you're the kinesthetic learner. you You like to have exercises and to actually be in motion applying experientially what you learned. Whatever it is, there's no wrong type. And I know that as people, we all have some of each one. And it's so important to just ask yourself, which one do you think you really lead with? Um, and you know, another thing that I talked with Courtney about, since she gave those few points about creating your own destiny, the first one was setting authentic goals. The second one was connecting with other people. And the third was being a lifelong learner. I wanted to kind of give you my take on each of these three, because I thought she had such good information and insight on how she sees the world, um, setting authentic goals. Let's take a look at that one. For me, I loved how she talked about the reality that a lot of the times We see something out there that we don't think we can do. And as a result, we don't choose the authentic path, which is allowing ourselves to own that we want to do that thing. And so the question I have for you around setting authentic goals is where are you crossing something off of your list without really sitting with it? Where are you dismissing something that deep down you would actually love? Uh, I find that especially with creatives, there's a lot of dismissing, like whether you wanna be an actor or a chef or something highly creative. So I just wanna draw your awareness on where are you nixing something from your list that feels really inspiring to you because you don't believe it's possible. Um, I think that this question alone just brings you closer to authentic goals. Another topic she talked about was connecting with other people and mentors. So I think this is really, really important because, you know, you, what is that quote? It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. It's so true. And I want to ask you right now, who are you when people ask for your help? How do you show up for them? Do you make them, you know, do you do you act uncomfortable when people are asking favors of you? Do you make it no thang, no big deal? You're happy to help? Um, because I think from an attraction standpoint, you learn a lot about how comfortable people are with giving um, based on when you make a request. Like, are you tiptoeing? Is it comfortable for you? I just want to remind you of the universal laws when it comes to giving and receiving. There's a lot of universal law about in order to receive, you have to give. And in order to give, you have to receive. There's really a constant flow. And I want to just kind of cap that off with asking you if you can think about three people right now in your life that could use your help in some way. Maybe you have a contact that they need. Maybe they're on the job hunt right now and you know somebody that might be hiring. Um, I just want you to tune into a few people and ask yourself, do I have a resource? Do I have a connection? Do I have something that can help them? And reach out to them because you connecting with other people is so much more powerful when you don't need anything and when you're just offering pure value. So that's, to me, the best way to network is to just, I constantly keep people in my awareness and I'm like, oh man, I should link that person with that person. They're working on the same thing. It would help each other. They could help each other. Um, and, and you want to be careful. You don't want to just link people for the sake of it. You want to be intentional. So really tune into that and ask yourself who is in your orbit right now that you can be supportive to because this is one of the most powerful ways to network is just giving with no agenda and then one day over the rainbow when you need something it's not weird to ask a favor or to reach out and let them know you need something and if they happen to have something that can help you it would be great. The third thing is just being a lifelong learner. So like I said, you guys know I don't have that many sponsored episodes on the podcast because I'm super sensitive about making sure that your experiences here on the podcast are a reflection of my heart. And I know that for Courtney Capella's FlexPath MBA was a really powerful way to learn. But I want to just ask you right now, what is the balance between consumption and creation? Consumption meaning you're taking in information and creation meaning you're putting the information out. Um, I think far too often people get stuck because they're consuming so much more than they're creating or a lot of entrepreneurs are creating so much that they've stopped consuming and their creativity gets stifled. So as a lifelong learner, I think it's so important to balance out the create you know the creativity the creation with the consumption making sure that you're learning and you're expanding as a person and with that, one final thing I want to call out is the cost I know that it's a really big consideration on a lot of our minds when we think about going back for our degrees and our continuing education so I wanted just to explain the FlexPath has a different tuition model because it's a little bit different than a traditional education. So by charging one flat rate for a 12-week billing session rather than per credit, FlexPath can help you control your cost. You can take one or two courses at a time and complete as many as you want in that 12-week session. So the faster you move through your coursework, the less it's going to cost for you to earn your degree. I'm so excited that I got to do this episode. Um, just friendly reminder as usual that this is sponsored by Capella University. And thanks again for being here with me. And I would love to hear your takeaways. Just holler at me on the gram at Ashley Stahl. What are you learning about creating your own destiny? What's your favorite tip that you took away from the episode? Sending you lots of love. So honored that you are here with me. At Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's
2: episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award winning digital media empire, Yap Media